Brian really embarrassed me because he said, uh, he compared me to the Michael Jordan of preachers. And I, I thought about that after a while, and I thought, oh, I know what he meant. I'm old, and I have no hair. <laughs> it makes perfect sense. I think that's probably what he meant. Uh, the other thing that I'm very much aware of, even as I speak, is that Brian's head must be way smaller than mine, because this thing is killing me. <laughs> this, this thing on my ear and all that, but that's okay. Corey got me set up. I can stand it for the next little while, but wow. This is like, um, they put this on you. Perhaps he put this on me and asked Corey to tighten it or something so that I wouldn't speak too long. Maybe that's what it is. So we'll do that. I, I, um, I, my um, tradition is I like, to, I like to hand out notes. I have notes for you. And uh, so if I could get help, thank you very much. And um, I have a few, I, I think that might be it. Here, let me give you these. There's the same two-sided, and um, you'll, you'll see that the one side says page one, and the other side says page two. So page one is where we'll start, and page two is where we'll continue. It really is uh, a joy for me to be here with you. Um, you know, I, like Suki said, we lost touch with uh, Ryan and Suki, you know, not, but, you know, it's just how life goes, right? You just, you live life, and they're living their life. We, uh, I performed their uh, marriage ceremony, which was a joy, and gave them some wonderful gifts. You can ask Suki about those gifts if they even remember them. One was a, a plumber's helper. It was a, a, kind of an object lesson kind of a thing, and it was a small one, and you might wonder, what in the world would you do that for at a wedding? Well, you could talk to Suki and Ryan about it, and, uh, Anyway, but it was a joy. And then we've discovered through Larry, as Suki said, that uh, you guys have been meeting for 11 years. This has been for 11 years, or I mean, together as a congregation, you've been in different locations. Um, It's just amazing. I I feel in a way that Annette and I uh, just sort of discovered you. I mean, we didn't know that this was going to work. We live all the way over in Marin County, you know, way far away. And, uh, and it's, fun, it's fun to come here. And uh, I will say that Berkeley is an interesting place. I'll just say that. It's Berkeley is an interesting place. I don't mean that all in a bad way. So let's pray and um, we'll get into, our, get into our teaching. Lord, it is a joy to be with these men and women. It's a joy to worship with them. It's a joy to hear their hearts cry. It's a joy, Lord, to just to be immersed in such wonderful youthfulness and excitement and zeal and desire to see you move in their lives and in their families and in their community and into the world. Lord, I I ask that you help all of us, that you'd help me and that you'd help uh, all of us in this room get from you what we need to get. Uh, I stand here, Lord, aware that um, just really anybody that stands behind a a lectern and and tries to share truth about you, that that most of us are unqualified. We We really don't qualify fully, but because of your grace and because of your invitation and because you have said that you would use men and women for your purposes, that 
that we could step into places of responsibility. And so, Lord, I, I ask that you help us all get what we need to get today, to be challenged by the work of your Holy Spirit in our hearts as we consider your word, as we consider our lives and our lives in relationship to your word, and that we would allow you to work deeply within us to bring about the things that you have planned, the good and gracious plans that you have for us, not only in this life, but in the life that extends way beyond our ability to even imagine. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So, um, uh, I've got, I think we've got a, a couple of scriptures we're going to put up there. Hattie uh, sent me a text as we were driving over here, and she actually sent a text way earlier. I should, I should correct that. <laughs> way earlier. I didn't look at it until we were driving over here, and I said, great, Hattie's asking for the passages of scripture to put on the overhead. I said to Annette, you're going to have to text her back. So if this works, great. Thank you to the powers that be that are doing this. But I want to begin with thinking about Isaiah 30, 15. I, as the notes, I, I provide these notes. Let me say something quickly about the notes. I don't provide the notes with the assumption that we're going to go through every single thing on the notes. So often we do when I, when I teach, but, but sometimes we don't. I provide the notes because I really want you to be able to go home, not think about what I said, but think about the scriptures in relation to the talk that you heard because most of us, including myself, can't remember what we heard the week before or the week before that. Um, and so I provide the notes for that. I put up in the right-hand corner my name and my email. If uh, you would like to email me a question, a thought, a comment, feedback, anything that you want, please feel free to do so. If you're kind, I'll respond. If, <laughs> if you're not kind, I might act as if I never saw it. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I really would I'd be open to that. No obligation, of course, but um, just so I know sometimes that, I, I guess all I'm trying to say is what's one of the most important things to me, oh, by the way, hello, people up on the shelf. How are you? <laughs> Good to see you up there. Um, what I care the most about is, is what happens after the talk. That's, that's where the work happens, right? That's where, I, and, and sometimes the Lord will bring something back to us and we'll I said, oh, you know, I heard that. I heard Ryan say this, or I, I heard this comment, or I heard this feedback, or my brother or my sister said this to me. And the Lord uses that, and he, and he works on us. But we have to give him the opportunity to do that. Because if we just keep running on automatic habits, like we, we, I mean, you know, we do that, right? We have a lot of automatic things that we do in our lives. We go, this is what we do on Monday. We do this on Tuesday. We do this on, and they can be good things, they can be very good things. But sometimes we are so busy and we're so caught up in, in that rhythm, we don't get off of autopilot long enough to hear God say something new and fresh to us and say, you know, here, what I, what I want you to do is, is rest. And today I want to talk a little bit about the relationship between rest and hearing the voice of God and, and having a, a, a rhythm of rest and a rhythm where I realize it's really not all about me. And it's easy to say that, but it's not always so easy to walk that out. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that. So the, fir the first uh, place we start here, Isaiah 30, 15, just a, a, a wonderful passage that I just, I've always loved it every time I, I look at it. For thus says the Lord, right in the middle of Isaiah chapter, uh, thir chapter 30, verse 15, thus says the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel has said, in repentance and rest, you will be saved. And in quietness and trust, 
is your strength. Quietness and trust is your strength. Now may I suggest right at the outset in this very, very noisy world that we live in, quietness and trust is hard. Unless we make arrangements in our lives, we will not have much quietness. We're, we're the plugged in, you especially, <laughs> and I will do my best not to make it sound like I'm the old guy and you're the young folks, except in reality I'm the old guy and you guys are the young folks, okay? But especially your generation. I have a daughter who's 24. I have a son who's 30. I have another son who's 35. Thank you for mouthing the words for me. My, this is my wife, Annette. And they are, they are plugged in. And I, and, I, and I have a, you know, I have the cell phone and the iPad and the PC and all that. And literally, like I said, you know, driving over here and you get a text and you have this and you have this and, and we're on social media. And I'm not gonna be here, I'm not gonna slam it and say that's all bad stuff. I'm not saying, I'm just saying, it's vying for your time. And you only have so much. And what you give your, your life to in way of time management is what, it'll take it. It'll take it very much. I, I heard a, a pastor say, who's now retired, well, here's one thing that Facebook will prove to us. We really did have time for God. I know that, I know that, you know, I'm not here to just throw stones, but that's something to think about. I find myself just automatically, you know, just, I can, I can just look up stuff and, and so on and so forth. Well, this passage says, in quietness and trust is your strength. But it says, but you were not willing. Now, we're not going to spend a lot of time here, in, in, but this context is, this is a prophetic word that's being given to Israel because Israel, at this time in their lives, Believe it or not, remember the story of Exodus. They've come out of Egypt hundreds of years before this, but now Israel, because Assyria, one of the nations in their region there, is getting ready to attack them. And Israel is looking to Egypt for help, the place they've been called out of bondage. And they're looking to Egypt and they're beginning, they want to send emissaries to Egypt and they're saying, will you come help us uh, fight Assyria? And the prophet Isaiah is saying, no, God will be your help, not your best ideas. We sang a song with that line in it. I think it's I'm open to you, right? But better than just my best ideas. And, and they said actually in Isaiah 30, 10, it says this, they said to the seers, you... This is, the, this is the leaders of Israel saying to their prophets, you must not see visions. And to the prophets, you must not prophesy to us what is right. Can you imagine? Speak to us pleasant word, words. Prophesy illusions. Can you believe that? And that's the context that Isaiah says, thus says the Lord God of Israel, in repentance and rest you will be saved. Now you think about that in terms of their world feels like it's ready to collapse. And so they're looking for a stronger power to help them. And the prophet is saying, no, 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 no. You always look to the Lord. The Lord is the one who brought you along. And they say, let us, let us hear no more about the Holy One of Israel. You, look that up later. Look up that passage. You, it, it's, it's unbelievable what they're saying. Now, what I want to talk about is how's that get played out in our lives? 
You know, we're not leaders of nations, but we have issues that come up in our lives that, that create similar kinds of struggles, I think. I want to talk to you for uh, a minute about the nature of God's kingdom, and I want you to think about this with me. I don't think this will be new and fresh with you, and we're going to get into a passage about uh, a story about Peter in just a minute, but just to build some foundation, I want you to think about the nature of the kingdom, of God's kingdom, is upside down, isn't it? I've listed some things here in the notes. How does greatness come? Greatness comes from servanthood in God's kingdom. That's not how the world system works, but that's how the, that's how the kingdom of God works. Childlikeness is required to qualify us versus great intellectual superiority. Unless you become like a child, Jesus said, you can't even enter into the kingdom of heaven. Now that doesn't mean childish, but it means childlike. I'm... You're gonna, if you hang around Annette and I for very long these days, you're going to hear a grandchild story because we have our, young, our first grandchild is three years old and our second one is about six, months, six weeks old, six, seven weeks. Little Trinity, Kaylin, and Aaliyah Faith. And we just love being grandparents. I know that doesn't mean much to you yet, most of you. I know that. I know, I know, I know. But one day you'll say, that guy said that grandparenthood is like the best and, and it's not because you can give it back to them you give them back to their parents I should say it's because it's because well, people say that oh it's because you can give them back no it's not because you can give them back you know what it is partly for me partly for me it's because I'm finally more at rest than when I was a young dad I know what Suki and Ryan and some of you go through with your young kids and Ryan said, you know, they, can, they make it in here sometimes three o'clock in the afternoon dragging their, their kids and their and diaper bags and all that. I, I know what that's like. I know what it's like to try to go to the movies with your little one. I know what that's like. And it's hard to be present. But with kids, with, or I should say with grandkids, you're more present. You're more at peace. You're more quiet. And when they come up and they say, the little Trinity says, like she said to me the other day, she says, Papa, she calls me Papa. Papa, let's play a game. I go, okay, Trinity, what game do you want to play? H uh, hide with me, which, which means she wants to play hide and go seek. She's just, she's just turning three. Hide with me. And I said, well, who's going to count? Gamma. And so off we go to play hide and go seek. And we, and we play that. Well, unless you become like a little child you can't even enter the kingdom of heaven and little, one of the things that children do they live by mercy if you think about it they have to live by mercy because they don't they can't pull off much really can they they can't they think they can but they can't and neither can you and I pull off nearly as much as we think that we can we really can't oh we think we can but we really can't Jesus reminds us of that over and over and over again. How much of you by worrying? I mean, what can you really pull off by worrying? And so on and so forth. Well, the, ups, the kingdom is upside down. We take the lower seat versus seeking notoriety. We give parties for those who can't repay in the same manner, Jesus says. And this last one, this last one, I, I think about this quite often. I don't know if you've thought about this. Jesus said, I get the order mixed up. The last will be first and the first will be last. The other day I was sitting out in front of a, a restaurant and I saw a gentleman, some kind of special needs, he's limping, he looked like he'd been that way for a long time, I don't know if it was a birth defect, I don't know what it was, but just, 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 
just not living a tough life. And he, could, he got into the door and he walked in. And I thought of this passage, the first will be last and the last will be first. And I wondered, this thought came to me, and I don't know if this is, I'm not gonna claim solid theology on this, but I wondered if, I wonder if one day he'll rule somewhere in the next life. He doesn't get to rule much in this life. And those of us that do get to rule and those of us that have more than enough, you know, you, you see these shows and there's these couples living in these giant mansions and all this stuff and, you know, they're picking out the latest granite countertop and all that. Yeah, I get, I get all that. But really? You got this giant home and what's it for? And I wonder if somehow in God's wisdom and brilliance that he's going he's gonna to adjust all that. Now, I'm not saying that to make you feel bad about anything that you have. I'm saying that for us to say, we need to examine how we use what we've been given for the purposes of the kingdom. That's why we get those things. So thinking about the last will be first and the first will be last is part of this upside-down kingdom. Now, very quickly, I want to talk a little bit about our values and our narratives because remember, Israel they shift from the value of God being their protector. They shift to Egypt and they say, Egypt, you come help us. And I want to suggest to you that it's very subtle for us. In many ways, it's, not, it's more subtle than that example. And, and here's how it can work. And some of this comes from a book, a, a great book called um, Falling in Love with the God Who Jesus Knows by James Bryan Smith, if you'd like to look that up. But he has this dialogue, and I don't think it's original, not dialogue, he has this uh, helpful information where he talks about how narratives work in our lives. And some of you probably in some of your studies have thought about narrative. Narratives are the things that James Bryan Smith says, narratives are the stories that we grow up in, in our families, in our friendships, in our faith. They're everywhere, and in the culture that we live in that help us deal with the information that comes that kind of bombards us. So here's a narrative that some, unfortunately, some grow up in, in uh, broken homes. You'll never amount to anything. You've heard that before, right? You'll never amount to anything. That's a powerful narrative if you hear that over and over, especially as a young child. Here's another narrative. You can do anything you put your mind to. That's the opposite, but it's still a narrative, right? And so we have these narratives that, uh, that work. And st- here's another narrative. Stay away from all strangers. Here's one I was thinking about uh, after thinking about this talk. Gosh, it feels like thin ice to even say it. But I grew up in an age where all policemen were considered good. That was a narrative. And if they weren't, you were still respected. You know, you know, all I'm saying, that narrative's being shaken today, isn't it? That's all I'm saying. So you see how that, well, is that, is that, a, is that a, a, a true narrative or is that a false narrative? Well, you have, to, you have to work that out. And based on your experience, your narrative will be different than somebody else's narrative. Now, it doesn't mean there's no, no such thing as truth. It just means that we get influenced by these powerful stories and we pick them up like a black coat picks up lint sometimes. You don't even, you're not even aware that you've picked up either a new narrative or, or, or one of your narratives has been adjusted. God, if there is a God, has more important things to worry about than your life. That's a narrative. Now that narrative 
completely contradicts the narrative that Jesus tells, isn't it? Doesn't it? That narrative just does not fly with what Jesus. Working, here's another one. Working hard is the only way to have a good life. Now, what happens sometimes is if we live under a narrative sort of like that one, we'll bring it right into our faith and we'll work just as hard to get grace that's free because that's the narrative that we work, that we live under. You see how powerful that can be? Now, I just encourage you to think about how your life runs. I'm not trying to lay a trip on you all, and I'm not trying to say that you all have the same narrative, because I don't believe that you do all have the same narrative. I think you have a combination of narratives, just that's how we all run. I happen to have lived under a narrative where my dad was a very, uh, from a father perspective, a very trustworthy man. As far as I know, he, he never lied to me. He was, he was never mean to me. He disciplined me. Oh, believe me, he could discipline me, but he wasn't, he wasn't mean about it. I, one time I threw a, my, dad, my, my brother's cowboy hat out the window. My brother's five years older than me. We were going down a freeway in Pennsylvania. We call them turnpikes back there. And I was really frustrated with my brother, and I grabbed his cowboy We both had cowboy hats on. I was, I was five years younger than him, and I grabbed his hat, and I threw it out the window. <laughs> Gone. As soon as I did it, I knew that I should not have done that. And my brother says, Dad, he threw my cowboy hat out the window. My dad, I could see my dad look up in the rearview mirror. He looked up, he made eye contact with me. I thought, oh, I knew it. I knew this was going to be bad. He pulls the car over. He gets out of the car. Car's going by. He says, come over here. I knew what was going to happen. I was going to get a spanking. I got a spanking. I didn't get a whipping. I didn't get hit with a belt. The seat of my pants got heated up a bit. And at that time, I knew that I pretty much deserved that. I mean, I just threw it. And I said to my, as my dad's pulling the car over, I, I give him my hat, you know. Well, my hat, no deal. That was not going to be the deal, okay. Now, I got into this by saying this. My ability in many areas, not in all areas, of course, I have, I have my places. For sure, I have my places. But that's a narrative that's very powerful in my life that my dad was trustworthy and it's pretty easy for me to trust the fatherhood of God because of that. Now I have, there's a whole other side of my life that has to do with my mom who was a very angry and bitter woman and struggled with schizophrenia. And that's affected my life in other pretty negative ways. Now I'm not blaming that, all of my stuff on my mom and I'm not saying that, you know, my dad was a saint, but I'm saying that's an example of how these narratives affect us very powerfully. So we have to do some work around these things and say, how am I affected by these things and these influences in my life? So we, mix, we live by a mixture of true and false narratives. I think you get that, right? They're not all helpful. You have to, to work them out. Now, uh, here's an example. Maybe some of you heard this story um, <laughs> I shared this once before uh, in another talk. Some of you may have remembered, maybe not, but back in 2014, well, let me just read this to you. This is about, this is about a man who, uh, listen to the narrative and listen to how this ends. This was a man who disappeared from his parents' house. Um, he was uh, a, a man who, again, who struggled with some special need issues in his life. Nicholas Simons disappeared from his parents' home in small New York town in New York on in a small New York town on New Year's Day, 2014. 
leaving behind his wallet, his cell phone, and everything else. Kind of vanished without a trace. Four days later, a picture was published in USA Today by an Associated Press photographer who was looking for ways to illustrate how cold it was in that area in New York. He snapped this picture of, unbeknownst to him, this man Nicholas, warming himself on a steam grate a few blocks from the U.S. Capitol. Well, that picture was published in USA Today, and wouldn't you know, but Nicholas's parents saw the picture. They said, oh my gosh, this is our lost son. They were able to identify him. They made the connections. They helped him get the mental help that he needed. It was an amazing set of circumstances that came together. Now listen to this comment that Sergeant David Mancuso, the lead investigator, says, and listen for the conflict of the narrative. It was pure dumb luck how all this happened, said the sergeant. It was truly a miracle. (laughs) You hear it? You hear that? It was pure dumb luck. It was truly a miracle. Sergeant, which one is it? Because pure dumb luck is not the same as a miracle. But you see, that's just an example of how we, we can say things like that. A, a, fr- a good, good friend of mine who heard that I was coming over here to share with you this afternoon said to me, and then he caught himself. He said, well, good luck. And he knows that I don't do this to everybody, but I do it to him because he's a good friend. I said, I said, quite a while back, I said, I'm looking for something more than luck. I'm not going over there with luck, you know? I, I don't have, I'm not looking for that. And he caught himself, he said, oh, you don't like that. And I said, nah, come on, Aaron, it's not that I don't like it, we're, we're, we're believers, right? So we're looking for the blessing of God, that's what we're looking for, we're not looking for luck. So you get the point, right? Say, Man, that must be hard to hang, hang around me. Well... <laughs> You got to hear my daughter sometimes say, Dad, I know. I heard that sermon already, Dad. I know, I know how you feel about that. I get that, okay? But I'm just, again, using that as an example. We'll say that. We'll say, oh, how lucky. How lucky was that? Wait a minute, brother or sister. You're not running on luck. You're not running on luck. That's not, that's not what we just sang, is it? No. So we just got to kind of think about that. All right. Now we're going to turn to the passage of Scripture and we'll work through this. Uh, We'll move through this pretty quickly. Jesus teaches a fisherman how to fish. This is a story of of, uh, wonderful, beloved Peter, uh, who is, uh, well, we'll just go through the passage. This is Luke 5, beginning through 1 through 11. So I guess, I don't know if we have the verses to put up there. If not, you can follow along in your Bible or your cell phone version or your iPad or whatever you guys have here. uh, But I'm going to read it, and it's in your notes anyway. So, beginning in uh, verse 1. One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him, listening to, listening to the word of God. So Jesus is teaching. Now I want you to imagine a little bit. What, what might he, We don't know what he was teaching this day, but we know things that he did teach, right? He taught about the kingdom of God. He often said, repent, think differently about your life because the kingdom of God is at hand. That was one of his favorite things that he said. He said that over and over again. Repent, and that word repent that he used doesn't mean feel sorry. It doesn't mean beat yourself up for the sins you've committed. That word means, metanoia means change your mind. Maybe you've heard that, right? Change how you think because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So maybe he was teaching that. We don't know. But he's teaching something. He always talked about trusting God. He always talked about the reality of God, right? He can fall asleep in the back of a boat. The storm comes up. His disciples have to wake him up. 
because he's, he's, he's so much at peace and so much at rest. They say, don't you care that we're all going to perish? And he looks to them, he turns to them and he says, where was your faith? You know, where was your faith? And he rebukes the wind. And you, you watch Jesus move through life and you just think, wow, you know, he's just living from a whole different narrative. Well, he is. He's living from the ultimate narrative. And we have these conflicts in our... So we don't know what he was teaching, but he's teaching something. And it says, verse 2, he saw at the water's edge two boats left by the fishermen who were washing their nets, and he got into one of the boats, one belonging to Simon, Simon Peter, and he asked him to put out a little from shore, and he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. So we don't know what he was teaching, something about the reality of God. And, uh, and you got now, now put yourself in Simon Peter's place. He's listening to Jesus teach. Now here's something that we know, if you read to the end of the story, here's something we know. We know that Simon has been fishing all night the night before, right? We know that. So he, <laughs> this is after, and they've caught nothing. We know that. We'll read that in just a minute. So he's listening to Jesus talk about how good God is, for example, right? He's talking about how everybody needs to put their faith in God, something like that. And Peter's sitting there going, yeah, we fished all night and we caught nothing. But he's not going to ruin the, the sermon for Jesus, he lets Jesus talk and lets Jesus borrow his boat. And, and in verse four, it says, when he had finished speaking, he says to Simon, now here, here's, here's the, I, I gotta believe that this is a Christ, this is a, a turning point, an opportunity, a crisis, if you will, for Simon Peter. He turns to Peter after he had finished speaking and he said to Simon, put out in the deep water, let down the nets for a catch. Here's Simon's response, verse five. Simon answered, master, We've worked hard all night and we haven't caught anything. Now, let's not run on too fast. We can read the narrative, but, but imagine you're, you're saying that. That doesn't, that doesn't just fall off your tongue. I mean, it falls off your tongue pretty easy, but it, it, you know, there's, there's some sadness in there. There's some disappointment there. <laughs> We've, and here's the other thing. Guess what, Jesus? I'm the fisherman. You're the rabbi. You're the teacher. I know how to fish. We didn't catch anything. And now you're telling me to go out and let your net out. Now how is that like your life and my life and what God invites us into? Have you fished all night in some of the areas of your life and come up with an empty net? I have. You have some disappointments where you wanted God to come through sooner than he did and he didn't I have is there some sadness in your life that you that you wish something had turned out much much differently than it did and, and it didn't yeah because life is hard life has some disappointments Jesus didn't say that we wouldn't have disappointments Jesus didn't say we wouldn't run into problems. Jesus said you can trust God anyway. And I believe this is the, the point where Peter is now, he's having to decide what he's going to do. And the problem with a, with a, a written narrative like this is we just, go, we, we just rush right through it. We don't let the human dilemma of it hit us. And we, it, it, we, you know, unless we put ourselves in it and we say, gosh, what would that have been like? So he says, we've worked hard all night and we haven't caught anything. But because you say so, 
I will let down the nets. And so he lets down the nets. And maybe he's thinking, this Jesus, I don't know what he's thinking about fishing. He doesn't know anything about fishing. Fish don't bite in the daytime. We fished all night. That's when you fish. We're done for now. And he lets down the nets. And verse 6 says, And when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. But it came after the crisis. And that's just something I think we need to allow to happen into our lives, that that's, that's going to happen sometimes, men and women, more than we want. But in, re- in quietness, in repentance, in rest, in quietness is our strength. Peter was challenged to trust the teacher with something that actually Peter was, quote, the authority on, but not really. So let me ask you this. Wonderful, some of you Berkeley grads, I assume, right? Some of you Berkeley grads, right? And some of you are in, in, in college and you're studying and you're becoming an expert in your field, as, as you should. I, I'm not poking fun of that. I, my daughter... <laughs> I told her that she said, Dad, would you get your master's in? And I said, divinity, because I went to seminary. She goes, "Uh uh-huh. She goes, master of divinity. I said, yes. She goes, hmm. Well, are you? I said, no. I didn't think so. Very, I love having those conversations with my daughter. She says it without much spin on it. Just, Just good, honest questions, right? Okay, well, let me ask you this question. Does Jesus know more about your field of expertise than you do? And if he does, does he care to let you in on what he knows? Now, he won't give you all the answers to the test, will he? Have you experienced that, right? But have you experienced he will help you prepare for the test? Because he will. But you've got to let down your net. And if you don't let down your net, you don't get to catch fish. And you've got to hear the master say, let down your net. And the way we get to hear what the master says is through his word and through quiet trust. And this is where we need to do some work around the noise that's in our lives. Here's something that I encourage you to try to do. If, if, If God so leads you, you don't have to do it. But here's something I, I started practicing quite a while back and and it's been good for me I could not drive one of my vehicles without clicking on a radio either listening to talk radio the news channel or some kind of song uh, some kind of uh, music or some kind of worship music it was just automatic 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 and I decided that I was going to practice some quietness and rest just in the area of my driving because I I drive a fair amount like maybe most of you do I don't know and the first time I tried that, I, I got in the cart, and my hand went right over and turned it on. I said, no, 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 I'm not turning it on. I turn it off. I go like 10 minutes down the road, and my hand goes over to turn it on again. What's going on? Habit. Habit, habit, habit. Man, I've been doing that for years. Have you noticed that your body doesn't just stop a habit just because you said, I'm going to stop? And so I put up a little note. <laughs> no, 
noise or something like that. No music. This was a discipline that I wanted to practice. Nobody was making me. And I'd start to reach over, and then I'd hit the little stick-it note over the dial. And i hit that. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm doing that. Well, after practice, you know, if you've broken habits like that or worked with things like that, I don't do that anymore. Now, I listen to the radio sometimes, and I sometimes listen to, to worship music, and, and sometimes I don't. And I can, you know, now this is where it's going to sound like I'm bragging. I'm not. I'm just illustrating something. I can go all the way from here to San Jose and not listen to music. Now, what's the point to say, hey, I didn't listen to music, God. Give me some grace. No, the point is, <laughs> that's not the point. Because that's not the point. The point is just creating some quiet so I can hear. And that's one of the areas where I decided I needed some quiet. You might want to consider fasting. Maybe you already have. Maybe you guys have talked about this. I don't know. Fasting from levels of social media. Was that scary? I don't know. But you might want to consider that. Could just not, you're not earning points. You're quieting down. How many of you, you know, you can't listen to two radio stations at once? Very hard. <laughs> you know, when you get one that you can't tune all the way in, you can't tune one all the way out, and you're hearing, you know, two different, you can't do that. Well, it's in our lives the same thing. It, you, it's very hard to hear God with all the noise in our lives. So this is, do not hear this as legalism. That's not at all what I'm saying. These are practices that help us carve out room to hear from God. This may sound completely silly to you now. I don't know in this day and age, and I thought maybe I wouldn't share this illustration, but I'm going to go for it anyway. You're, you're young and forgiving, so I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> we used to say, it used to be the thing, and maybe it still is, but we used to say, you know, I, I heard God, God spoke to me in the bathroom. We used to say that a lot. Maybe you, just, you, know, you know why I think that happens? It's one of the last quiet places. <laughs> Except now you can get a radio that's waterproof and put that in your shower and you can do all that stuff and you bring all of that in. And I, I'm not saying that's automatically bad and it pro- maybe it sounds like it. I'm not saying that. I'm just using that as an example to say that was a place of quiet and it maybe isn't anymore or the other places of quiet that aren't quiet anymore. I'm going to share this with you and then we'll wrap up. Um, a, a, a practice that I've, and maybe some of you have done this. How many of you have ever asked God to help you find something that was lost? Have you ever done that? I encourage you, if you've tried that and you've tried it just a little bit and it doesn't seem like it works so well I want to encourage you to keep practicing it because here's what I've well, here's what I've learned in practicing that you can get better at hearing his direction now I hope that doesn't sound like a spooky parlor game it shouldn't and we're learning to what, what does the psalmist say be still and know that I am God and that word know means experience me experience my presence Be still and experience the reality of who I am. I've practiced, I have a wood shop and I make things in there and I, from time to time, I lose stuff, I misplace stuff. I lay something down and I forget where I laid it down and I've practiced saying, Lord, this is what I say, very simple prayer. Lord, I've misplaced, fill in the blank, 
but I know you know where it is. Will you show me where it is? That's what I simply do. And the other day, I told my wife this, I had a young man in there working for me, first time, a, f- a friend of my son, so I, I, know him, I know him fairly well, and I have been using this little wood gauge that was, we were using to measure the adjustment on the machine, and I laid it down, his name's Nick, and I said, Nick, I said, where's the gauge? And he said, you just had it. And I said, I know I just had it. And I'm looking around, he's looking around, we're looking all around, and I hear the Lord speak to me and say, well, do what you always do. Ask me to show you where it is. My first reaction was, ah, I, don't, I don't know Nick that well. I don't think I want to do that. <laughs> Just being honest. Maybe you guys never struggle with that, but I do. I don't want to. Well, if you do, I'll show you where it is and I'll show him something about me. Well, that's quite a deal there. Right now, I, I'm like, see, what I'm, I'm Peter, being told to let the net down. Get it? I'm Peter. I gotta let this net down. What's it gonna? Who am I gonna feel if I let the net down and don't catch anything? All these people are watching me. Fished all night. So I say, Nick. He goes, Yeah. I said, Here's something that I practice quite often, Ashley. I noticed something as I started telling him this. It actually came right out. He goes, yeah, what? goes, what's that? I said, I asked God to help me find stuff. He goes, oh, yeah? I go, yeah. So I said, God, you know where this thing is. I said, God, you know where this thing is. Help me find it. And I'm telling you, I looked right where it was. And it was, and, and I go, Nick, it's right there. And he goes, he looks. Now, I don't think it appeared magically. I think it was always there, right? But you know, like I know, how you can overlook things. And I even, t- I said to him, before I did that, I said, do you have it? Did you like, do you need to take this wood gate? I mean, it'd be worthless to you. Do you want to need to take this home? And he said, I don't have it, man. You know, he was, because I don't have it. And I said, well, there it is. And he goes, wow. And I didn't make a big fuss about it. I just let it be what it was. I think that's part of the quiet rest. That's part of the... So, quiet rest growing in that strength knowing I don't have to pull it off seeking to be obedient learning to listen not turning to some other solution asking God I, I, I don't have time to go into this and, and my wife and I we talk about this and I'm, I'm not against advertising I'm not against advertising I don't think it's wrong I, don't think, I think it's fine but in our little business we do, we do a degree of advertising now I tell you what I'm very much aware of. I am very much aware, and God has shown us this over and over and over again. God knows how to make that phone ring when we need it to ring in light of the last time the economy hit the skids, or maybe even time before that, back in 2008. He made that phone ring, and we got a, a job that didn't make us rich. It just met our needs and got us through that. I couldn't have pulled that off. Annette couldn't have pulled that off. We're not that smart. We really aren't. We don't have it that together. We like to think we do sometimes, but we really don't. Putting faith and trust in God is a wonderful way to live. I know you know that. I know that this isn't like brand new news to you. 
But here's what I'd like us to suggest that we do for our time of response, which I know is part of your tradition and some of you that would like to respond. And here's what I'd like to invite the prayer team members to do if you choose to come forward. Here's, here's what I'd like you to think about. Are you the one, if you were honest with yourself, maybe you've known this for, for a while, you really do push. You really are pushing to try to make, some, make it happen. Maybe it's, maybe it's your faith. Maybe it's your vocation. Maybe it's a relationship. And you're pushing. And if you're honest with yourself, you, you say to yourself, it doesn't seem to be working. Here's my invitation to you. Here's what I believe God's invitation is. Rest. Let it go. Let it go in the context of the one who knows how to give you the guidance, who knows how to help you, who knows how to speak words of quiet to you and rest and peace and blessing. I watch my wife with one of our grandkids stroke their heads or, you know, when they're worked up and they're, we, were, we had a little conversation with my, the oldest one, Trinity, who's going to be three, about being cranky. And we said, are you ever cranky? She goes, uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, we say, why? I said something like, why are you cranky? She goes, need a nap. Aww. You know? I just, I just love her. I love how she comes up with this stuff. I want to say, you're only three. You're not supposed to understand all that. She goes, nap, need a nap. And that says, does, uh, does your mom sometimes say, need a nap? She goes, uh-huh. She goes, did you take a nap today? She goes, Yeah. You know, really now, when, she, when she's at that crisis, she's probably not interested in taking a nap. But the point is, <laughs> that's the recipe, right? When you have little kids for crankiness yeah. is rest. Because <laughs> they can't get what they want and they're insisting. And men and women, I want to suggest to you, we do the same kind of thing. We push, we presume, we pretend. We don't have to push. We don't have to presume. We don't have to beg God we're not beggars. You know, Jesus promised, he said this to us, I will not leave you as orphans. An orphan has to beg because they don't know where the next meal is going to come from. You're not an orphan. God knows what you need. His kingdom is here. We're to step into it. We don't beg it to come. That's theologically unsound. We step into it. How do we step into the kingdom? Every time I say yes to God, we're stepping into the kingdom. Every time you say yes, the kingdom is present. The kingdom is here. He'll order your way. It may not go the way you want it to go. That's a good thing because he's in charge. He knows how to manage your life and he will manage it and he'll do it with you. And it's a blessed way to live. So, if you need to apply this in some other, Ryan and I talked a little bit about, and this is probably familiar with you, active rest. You know, rest in God doesn't mean I don't do anything, but it certainly doesn't mean that I do everything in my own strength. So I'm gonna trust that God will, if you feel the need to respond. So this, in my sense of it is, there's a time to be full of zeal. There's a time to be, you know, full of excitement. There's a time to, if you will, sort of beat the drum. But there's a time to rest. 
And what I, my sense is for this prayer ministry time, and if the leaders could do this, to bless those of you that come forward with peace and rest and trust. What would your life be like if it ran on more peace, more rest, and more trust? It'd be good. You could go, ah. And when it needed be, you could say, nap. Nap time. No, no be cranky. Nap time. Okay? Jesus is asleep in the boat taking a nap. Isn't that interesting? He's sleeping in the boat taking a nap. All right? Let's pray. And then team, come and do what you do for this response time. I'm, I'm going to pray and we'll get this going. Lord, we welcome you now to speak to us. Let's stand together. To speak to us and however you want. Lord, help us take an honest examination of our lives. Where are we pushing? Where are we pretending? Where are we presuming? And where is it that you want to say, my son, my daughter, I have so much for you. And I want to stroke the, your forehead and I want to push your hair back and I want to teach you how to rest in me. And I want you to know that I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you and I'm here and my kingdom is here. And you can trust me. And I see you as the apple of my eye. And I want the best for you more than you can know in this life. But it's really true. He's really good. He's really helpful. And he will be with you and is with you. Let's let him speak to us. And then you come forward as you feel led to. And team, you, you folks come. And my wife Annette will be here and to pray. And I'll be here to pray. And we'll just, we'll bless one another with peace and truth and rest. Amen.